So I just got asked a question here this morning. Is it coincidental that this is coming out in the same month that Fifty Shades is? Um, well, let me put it this way. It is not coincidental that it's coming out in the same month that Valentine's Day is. But I think Hollywood was onto something with that non-coincidental marriage either, all right? Um, yeah, this is where we're at. God is my lover. And read this, would you? Because it's going to be so true to today. It's that first paragraph that's going to come into sharp relief this morning. Because the Bible is not a book for the faint of heart. And neither is God. I mean, God will come to the faint of heart and meet you right where you're at. But God is uh, passionate. God is intimate. God is zealous. God is hungry. And what we're going to find out today is that sexual imagery is one of the ways that the Bible likes to capture the side of God. That he is so passionate and desires you so much and is so intimate that sometimes we have to come down to something like sex to even begin to grasp it. Now we're going to show you a, um, a brief video this morning. And um, it's not Fifty Shades, so don't roll your eyes at me, all right? But uh, I'd just like you to take a look, and we're going to use that as a way to kind of start our journey in. Right in the middle of the Bible is this collection of Hebrew love poems that are so explicit and erotic that young Jewish boys weren't even allowed to read them until they were older. Now, Song of Songs gives us like a picture, a series of pictures of the relationship between a man and a woman. The joy, the struggle, the complexity. It's almost as if the love that this couple is exploring has a life of its own. The woman says several times, she says, do not arouse or awaken love till it so desires. It's almost as if she says, you know, whatever this is, it's so good, it's so beautiful, and we can't do anything to mess this up. We get incredible mileage out of this tired old English word love, don't we? I mean, we'll tell somebody that we love them and then in the same breath we'll talk about how much we love a new car or a certain pair of pants. I mean, I love my wife and I, I also love tacos. Now we have to keep in mind that Song of Songs was originally written in the Hebrew language which has at least three different words for our English word love. The first word we find is the word raya. Raya would be translated literally as like 
friend or a companion, somebody you hang out with. We might even translate it as uh, like the word uh, soulmate. We hear people talk like this all the time. They'll say things like, you know, she's, she's my best friend or I can tell him anything. These are all expressions of Raya. So we see that at the core of this relationship between these lovers, there's a friendship. Another Hebrew word we find for love is ahava. Ahava is deep affection. It's that sense of desiring to be with someone so much that your heart aches. Ahava is when your mind and your heart are bent towards your lover with such passion and intensity that you can think of little else. Now, my wife and I, we were friends for four years, four years of raya before anything more happened. And I was living in Los Angeles, and one weekend she came out to visit. So we went out for the first time. And there was a sense of anticipation in the air, this question we both had. You know, is there any, is there any ahava to go with our raya? I remember sitting there at this restaurant in Santa Monica, a couple blocks in from the ocean. I remember this feeling came over me. That I would, I'd rather be here with her at this moment than anywhere else in the universe. The lovers in Song of Songs declare that Ahava is as strong as death, that many rivers cannot quench Ahava. Ahava is love of the will. Now this is way more profound than fleeting romantic feelings. This is much more than like temporary urges. Ahava is making a decision to join your life to the life of another. And this is an emotion that leads to commitment, that leads to joining your life to somebody else's. Ahava is what makes things last. Maybe this would help. Let's think of these loves, these dimensions to a relationship as flames. Okay, first we had our raya flame. That's like the friendship, the soulmate aspect of a relationship. And then you have your ahava flame, which is the flame of uh, commitment and making a decision to join your life to another. But there's a third Hebrew word for love that we find in Song of Songs. It's the word dode. Dode is translated into English literally as to carouse, to rock, or to fondle. I think you get the idea behind this flame. This word is used elsewhere in scriptures, like in the book of Proverbs. It says, let us drink deep of dode till morning. And the woman even says in Song of Songs, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your dode is more delightful than wine. Dode is the physical sexual element to a relationship. This is where we get uh, the Greek word eros, which is translated literally as like erotic in the English language. So we have our raya flame, we have our ahava flame, and we have our dode flame. So when this man and woman come together, all these flames get combined. Now Jesus talks about this idea 
of entire beings coming together. He uses the phrase one flesh to describe this connection between a man and a woman. Now this one flesh is way more than just a physical act. I mean, it's emotions, it's hearts, it's minds, it's experiences. It's the mingling of souls. And so this coming together physically becomes a picture of a deeper spiritual reality. So Jesus teaches us that sex is ultimately a spiritual act. And that something so beautiful, something so powerful was meant to endure forever. See, the one flame burning all by itself will never be as hot as all the flames burning together. I mean, we were created for all the flames to burn as one. I mean, think about all the ways that we mess this up. I mean, take an affair for an example. An affair is two people sharing the dode flame, but without any of the other flames, without the raya or the ahava. I mean, there's no friendship, there's no commitment, there's no loyalty, no sacrifice. And, I mean, there's dode, but there's no raya or ahava. It's two people trying from this one flame, the dode flame, to get all the heat of the three flames burning together. I mean, no wonder it leaves a person empty and unfulfilled. We were created for so much more. And so the person keeps coming back to this one flame over and over again, and yet it never truly satisfies. It can't. Or how about the couple who have been married for years and they're still together. There's still some commitment. I mean, there's still some ahava, but let's be honest, there's not much else. There's no friendship. There's no sex. And they neglect the flames and eventually they flicker and they fade and they go out. When you separate the flames, it can never really satisfy. It's like you're living outside how God wired you to live. I mean, maybe our culture has no clue what true sexuality really looks like. Maybe the world around us, when it comes to sex, just doesn't get it. I mean, true sexuality is vast and mysterious. I mean, it's big, it involves all of you. I mean, you have a body, but you also have a soul and a spirit. Sex is the mingling of souls. It's a man and a woman coming together and giving all of themselves to each other. And now, may you honor the way that God created you. May you have a profound sense of respect for the fact that you are a deeply spiritual and mysterious being and that sex is ultimately a profoundly spiritual thing. May you enjoy what God created to last a lifetime. And may you discover the big flame.
That's pretty cool, isn't it? You guys see that before? What I love about the Bible and what I love about God is the way that he does anything to help us get to know what he's like. He'll take these, these pictures, these, these things that we experience in everyday life, these things that are deeply personal and profound to us and use them as a way to give us a window into who he is, going, guys, I'm like that. The relationship I want with you is like that. We talk about God as Father. It's a way that God says, I'm kind of like that to you. That's how I feel about you. We talk about God as shepherd. I have no idea what a shepherd is like, but they did. And to the people back then, they said, he's like that. And I think one of the biggest ones we miss is when God says, I am like a husband. I am like a lover to you. And it is so just ooh on the surface, isn't it? It's such an odd way to think about God, but, but ultimately I think such a profound way to think about what he is really like. Now, last January we were going through the Exodus and we were looking at how God had this, this heart and this compassion and this, this, this passion for his people and how he rescued them out of Egypt and how he brought them out to this mountain called Sinai. And last week, I made the comparison that what happened or what God did with Israel at Sinai is comparable to what a husband and a wife do when they enter into wedding vows together. I I, uh, came across this passage from Jeremiah. Uh, Just just so you don't think I'm pulling this out of like the blue. I mean, look at how the prophets of the Old Testament themselves will talk about Sinai. God's talking about a new covenant he's going to make because the marriage covenant was broken, right? The marriage covenant we made at Egypt, though I was what? A husband to them. Sex, God, it's two things we often don't put together. But if we're willing to go there, there's something that that reveals something, I think, profound. Now, the video honed in on this, this, this Old Testament book. It's this collection of poems called the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. And more than any other book, it arguably gives us a picture of what it means or what Jeremiah means when he says something like, God is like a husband to us. Now, what I'd like to do today is just sample a little bit of this this book with you. Getting a picture of this relationship between this man and this wife and, and how that becomes a platform for understanding our relationship to God. So let me just take you through it. And you know, by the way, it's it's an eight chapter book, but it's quick. I and mean, you can read it in fifteen minutes. Um there's a lot of snow out there. Right? This is a fantastic day to curl up with the one that you love, all right? And read Song of Solomon together and uh, laugh through it together, but uh, but, but see what this book is about. But let me give you just a uh, a taste of, of some of the passages. Look at this. It's how it opens, where she says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. 
for your dode, if I use the phrase, is more delightful than wine. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king, meaning her husband, Solomon, let him bring me into his chambers. Do you just do you feel the yake, the 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 yearning, the 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 passion of this? Any book that starts this way is worth reading, wouldn't you agree? It goes on, and, 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 and the way that this, this book plays out is, it, it's difficult to say how, how it's set, but it almost seems like what you're witnessing is a man and a woman on their wedding night, finally to the honeymoon suite together. And you're getting flashbacks and images from the first time they laid eyes on each other to the fears and the insecurities they had with one another, to the desire that they had for one another and how it continued to come to the place of the ultimate embrace. She goes on and she says things like this. Like an apple among the trees of the forest is my lover among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade. Let him take me to the banquet hall. Let his banner over me be love. Strengthen me. Refresh me, for I am faint. His left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. Daughters of Jerusalem, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. I, I almost get the image. I don't know if this is fashionable anymore, but for our generation and, and, and beyond, you remember in junior high when you liked someone and, and, and people would get so stricken by someone that they would like write over and over again in their notebooks that person's name? We got some teachers here. Do they still do that today? Yeah? We, we, we've been there, right? Mr. and Mrs. And you write in like 18 different ways because you know what it's like when you're in love with someone. You're obsessed. You can't think of anything else. Doesn't it consume you? Now think about this. This woman, thinking about the one that she loves, consumed and obsessed. Does he love me? Does he want me? If only he would notice me and talk to me. Oh, this is terrible. But I wouldn't trade it for anything. Are you getting the sense? God calls himself our husband, which by extension means we are his bride. Or maybe better put, his fiance. Because we're waiting for Christ to come again when, when the Bible says the wedding day is here. Now as a dude, it's really weird to me, weird for me to think of myself that way on that end. But guys, he says it to you too. One of the images is that you are God's beloved, his fiance, his bride. And do you hunger for God that way? Is your desire for him like this? Now the poem goes on. And it goes from the time when they were remembering the, the first time they laid eyes on each other, the ache and the yearn and, uh, and the desire they had. And it comes to the place where she finally sees him coming 
for her. And they find themselves standing there, so to speak, at the altar. And do you remember this moment with your own spouse? Or have you been to a wedding recently where you see that couple standing there? And they're giving those vows to each other and the things that are going through their head, the way everything gets tunnel-visioned out and it's just him and her, even though it's in a room of hundreds, sharing this intimate moment together. Let me show you this. I love what she says. He says to her, How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats. I'm assuming that's a compliment in that age. Some great pickup lines here, isn't there? Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn. Coming up from the washing, I am oozing, you know, aren't you? Eat, no, 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 don't miss this. Each has its twin, right? We're talking in a day before crest, Right? When people didn't have teeth, she's got all her teeth. Hot. (laughs) Your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temple behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. (laughs) Your neck is like the Tower of David. Do you get slapped for saying something like that? I don't know. Your neck is like the Tower of David built with elegance, on it hangs a thousand shields, which I hope he's not saying she's big. All of these, uh, all of them are, 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 are of shields of warriors. Now, the next passage, I've got to preface a little bit, um, because the next things he starts to say about her are something that, that I actually had someone say to me once. Um, see, I went to a Lutheran school through eighth grade, and we were in fourth grade. And we had this assignment in in religion class where we had to take a a Bible verse and write it to someone else in the class as a way to encourage them or or to build them up. And my friend Jeff, well, he wrote me this. Now, I was a heavyset kid, so it wasn't completely unfitting. Oh, beautiful you are, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Run away with me, my bride. Come with me. You have stolen my heart. Think about it. This is how God thinks of you. God is intoxicated with you. He has tunnel vision for you. To him, you are perfection. Like when you see a man and a woman stand at an altar and, and, and he's looking at his bride and he's intoxicated with her. And think about the profundity of that because you know why? It's not true. I have yet to see a bride. That was perfection. But perfect to him. We're not perfect. We're not beautiful. 
Maybe you look at yourself and you go, but that's not me. I don't feel like that. In fact, I feel used, spoiled. I don't feel radiant. I don't feel desirable. I don't see why anyone would want me. But God looks at you and he says, run away with me. You are beautiful, my darling. You are beautiful. You have stolen my heart. I love how this book closes. And there's so much more that we could look at. We'll jump to here. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. Bind this, they say. Because love, it's as strong as death. Stronger even, don't you think? It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like a fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. For centuries, Jews and Christians alike have looked at this, this love poem between this man and this woman and said, this is a picture of the kind of relationship that a passionate God wants to have with you. It's who he is and what he's like. And my prayer for you today these next few weeks as we delve deeper and, and for the, the future of your relationship with him is that to, uh, well, to quote the video, that in your relationship with God, you discover the big flame. Now, I'd like to share with you a passage that we're going to be looking at together throughout February. We came off the Ten Commandments, which we, we, we compared to wedding vows. And in this next passage I want to show you comes from Deuteronomy. And this is the, the national anthem of the people of Israel. It was like one of these foundational statements that, that marked them and defined them. And as you say it together with me, Keep your mind on the kind of relationship God wants to have with you and what he is calling you into as well. So I want to invite you to rise. And that's not it. <laughs> so let me read it to you here today. from Deuteronomy 6 and it says this Hear O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength 
These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Over and over again like a junior high girl, Mr. and Mrs. Yahweh. You hear it in there? And may you experience that in your life beginning today. Our Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. And after supper, he took a cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them. And he said, drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of the New Testament shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me, a new covenant, a new covenant like marriage, a renewal, a beckoning, a yearning of God for you. Welcome to what the Bible will call the marriage feast of the Lamb.